Without looking too far back in the rearview mirror, it's fairly clear to see September 23rd has come and gone, which means we're now officially in the fall. So let's go ahead and fall into episode number 28 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack and my top five picks from DC Comics this week, just like every week, right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. Let's dive right in, shall we? My first choice is Action Comics number 1015, or 1015, if you prefer. In a story, New Voices by Brian Michael Bendis, with art by Sezaiman Kudransky, colors by Brad Anderson, letters by Dave Sharp, and David Marquez and Ale and Alejandro Sanchez on the cover with a gorgeous variant cover by Lucio Perillo. And both covers are stunning, whether it's the original with Naomi saying, I've got this, and Batman and Superman standing behind her in shock, or this really lifelike variant cover, Superman, rippling muscles, glowing red eyes, and Naomi in this gorgeous costume with this earnest, hopeful, and yet extremely powerful look in her eye. The issue opens with a first-person perspective, something I've come to recognize from Mr. Bendis when he uses it, and we get the experience of Naomi using her powers for the first time, trying to navigate flight, and then doing the one thing that I would like to think I would do if I needed powers and I needed help. She heads to Metropolis almost crashes into the Daily Planet and meets her hero, Superman, who in this issue is exactly who you want Superman to be. Kind, polite, thoughtful, insightful, cautiously examining the huge waves of power radiating off of her and informing her that he's not attempting to examine her without her permission, but simply noticing that there are pieces of her that are so vibrant that he can't help but notice. It's a great journey when we go to the Hall of Justice, meet Palmer, and then have a classic Batman scene. And Batman in this moment is quite perfect. And there's an understanding between Superman and Batman about who has strengths, where they have them, and how they can best be used here. In this moment, after Batman makes his scary introduction, he begins to analyze Naomi and then have a conversation with her that sets her at ease. My favorite part is when he says, my parents were murdered too, to which Naomi asks, does it ever go away? And he enters in the best, answers in the best way possible. No, Superman's listening, watching, waiting, and together, they are learning about each other. It's quite gorgeous, the way they both interact, and how suddenly the issue with Leviathan pulls Superman away, off to tend to a problem that he thinks only he can solve, and yet it turns out, potentially, he might need some help on this one. I really enjoyed everything about this story, the introduction of Naomi, and how 
while it could have taken over the entire issue, we pull away from that, knowing we want to go back and read more, but knowing that we have to continue with the story that's been a part of the current run on Superman and in action comics, and has been affecting all of the superheroes in the DC Universe. What do we come back to next? I think Naomi's going to surprise us all with her ability to help out Superman and also get a sense of what she can and will do with her new powers. I've loved Naomi as a character since her initial solo issue run, and I've been so curious about how she will make her impact on the DC Universe that this first introduction was a great opportunity to see her, see her experience, feel what it's like, even transcendentally through a comic book, to get new powers and to struggle with them. I love the scenes with Superman and Batman. Classically represented, perfectly balanced in comparison to Naomi, and providing that great sense of history and also a feeling of maybe a new trinity or at least a trinity that Naomi could be a part of. Curious to see how this might continue to play out, but I love this first introduction of Naomi in Action Comics number 1015 or 1015 if you prefer. And it's why I was happy to make it my first choice for the DC Comics new Spinner Rack, episode number 28. I struggled to find anything wrong with this. And since I can't yet, I'm going to happily keep it at a solid 5 out of 5. Great way to start off this episode of DC Comics New Spinner Rack. Now my second choice for the DC Comics New Spinner Rack, episode number 28, is Wonder Woman number 79. A story called Loveless, part 3, written by G. Willow Wilson, with pencils by Scott Eaton, inks by Wayne Foucher and Jose Marzon Jr., colors by Romelu Fajardo Jr., letters by Pat Rousseau, and Hi-Fi and Aaron Lopestri on the cover with Jenny Frizen providing the variant cover. Hope can be a powerful element in a fight or in a struggle. Love, apparently, can be just as much, if not more important. And the loss of love with the death of the goddess of love has changed Diana's ability to fight in the manner in which she has been accustomed and to which she has been known for. It's a challenge to who she is as a person, and it's one that Cheetah is exploiting for all its value. What Diana does find is that, much like any other situation, when pushed to the brink, when stripped of all of the best things that allow her to be the person, the hero, the example that we all look to, what has always been important for Diana is her ability to press on. When push comes to shove and Cheetah makes a strike, that Diana feels she instinctually will react to. She puts up her hands, blocks a sword strike with nothing but bare flesh, and realizes that even when she has nothing else, what she does have is something she will continue to use. 
couple of other great elements in this story, the relationship between Atlantiades and Maggie, who's returned from Themyscira to help, and the way that Maggie can steer Atlantiades to helping Diana, and point to the fact that the reason she's doing it is for love. Now, we do have an interesting story where Wonder Woman sought out not so much a friend, not so much an enemy, but certainly someone with their own agenda who, in this moment, is indebted to Diana and, with the help of a scientist, is able to learn that the sword that Cheetah is carrying has been bonded to her biologically. She's the only one who can wield it, and it's also why she is able to make such a strong connection with it. This sword, the God Killer, is the same sword that killed Venus, the goddess of love, and threatens Diana's very existence. In this issue, I think there's a great example shown of what happens when even the best and the strongest get knocked down, and what it is that can eventually bring them back to their feet. I liked Wonder Woman number 79. My only issue with this issue was an ending that caused, uh, no, with an ending that revealed a scene that while I could understand its need in the present, overall felt like it had been building and yet never really cresting. For some reason, this is the moment that breaks this relationship. And while it's important, I think it's also important for the fan, the reader, to experience it first. And of course, it's something we can always come back to because Wonder Woman has been a regular staple on DC Comics' new spinner rack, thanks to great writing, a great art team, and a great experience for fans, comic book readers, and fans of great stories alike. Given that, I had to knock down my score for Wonder Woman number 79 from a solid 5 out of 5, and keeping this one today, and this week, at a 4 out of 5. If you've got a different opinion, reason, or score, stay tuned to the end for all the ways you can let me know just what that might be. Since that's our second book, I'm going to take advantage of an opportunity to share some great information with you through a couple of ads that let you know all about what's going on at DC Comics News and ways you can be involved. We're going to take that short break, make ourselves maybe one more cup of coffee, and then dive right in for our third, fourth, and fifth choices right here on the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 28. Hi everyone, I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast, here every week to talk everything DC, movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it, here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast, it's audio justice. (laughs) No, 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 it's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. (laughs) No. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came 
the spinner rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, episode by episode. Just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones. I am the knight. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. And once again, thank you for enjoying that quick break. A little bit of ad time there. And we're coming right back with my third choice for the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 28. For my third choice, I'm moving right into Harleen number one, a new black label offering written and drawn by Stepan Sejic, letters by Gabriela Downey, with cover and variant cover by Stepan Sejic. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, and I fully accept the possibility that I'm not. Now this is book one in a three-part telling using the Black Label Mature designation to tell some of the elements that couldn't be shown or explained on something like Batman the Animated Series or maybe in the more mainstream DC Comics world. But in Black Label, we have an opportunity with Harleen to see that Harleen was a very driven person. She just didn't know what direction she was driving in. It points to this idea of the road to hell being paved with good intentions, and her intentions were always good. In fact, in many ways, it's the reason that she struggled to get as far as she wanted to when others recognized the monetary value in offering their services, they exploited that. Whereas she tried to focus on the help that she can bring through the methods that she believes will work. She wants to conduct a series of personal interviews and then a series of experiments working with patients at Blackgate and Arkham Asylum. But the story starts out with the fear that she experiences the night she first meets the Joker, and how that fear pervades, how it becomes something that is mimicked and portrayed in her dreams, and also feels to creep into her waking life. It's an interesting perspective. In so many ways, Harleen has been reduced at times to nothing more than a sidekick or an interesting plot development, but her personal story has grown. Her connection to the Joker is no longer the thing that makes her who she is, and the story about how she came to be not only Harley Quinn, but also 
associated with the Joker and then one day no longer associated with them has become the most compelling part of her story. And this first chapter does a wonderful job of showing us who Harleen Quinzel was before she became Harley Quinn. And it's easy to see that she believes in her good intention to find the root of the cause, the problem that all of the patients she interacts with are dealing with. And she thinks the key has to do with Joker. I love the moments building up to their scenes together. And later when they are together, how she's able to see through all of the different stories that he has told to other psychiatrists, shrinks as he calls them. And how through that she believes that she can make a connection with him that is real and honest. Despite her good intentions, it's clear that the Joker's intentions are not good at all. And as we will come to learn through these next two books, just how damaging that will be to Harley and Quinzel, and also how much of that is something she will have to work against in order to emancipate herself, which is the uh, intriguing new title for the upcoming Birds of Prey film that will feature Harley Quinn. I really appreciated this approach, and I love the menacing qualities it provides. The art has these great moments. One example that I love is Harleen Quinzel walking up to Arkham Asylum, and the shadow that's cast on the ground is the one of Harley Quinn. And these moments of foreshadowing are great opportunities to look back on the past of Harleen Quinzel and to see the moments when Harley Quinn is peeking through. This is a really great book with a masterful story, great character development, great pacing. The art perfectly captures the gloom of Gotham, the challenge of the workplace environment, the difficulties that Harleen faces after making a mistake when she was young and a college student and suffering for it as a professional, and also how these many factors are driving Harleen to become someone else. I thought this was a great book. I thought it was a great story. I really enjoyed the way that uh, Stepan Sejic captured a very specific tone and maintained its consistency through the book. The compliment of Gabriella Downey's letters only add to the tone and make for a complete and I think very engaging experience, one that I am looking forward to picking up chapters two and three of. Harleen number one gets a solid five out of five on this episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. Now my next choice for the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, my fourth choice, is Batman Superman number two. And a story that really introduces the idea of what happens when the darkness of the serum that created the Batman Who Laughs is injected in other heroes. This is a great story called Who Are the Secret Six? Written by Josh Williamson, featuring great art by David Marquez, with colors by Alejandro Sanchez, John J. Hill providing the letters, with Marquez and Sanchez providing the cover, Jerome Opeña and Maury Hollowell provide the very cover. In this story, Batman and Superman have uncovered more recently, last issue, 
and now come to grips with the knowledge that one of the Robins associated and commanded by the Batman Who Laughs is actually that dark multiverse's Shazam. And this Shazam is very powerful, very mischievous, very manipulative, and clearly gains an upper hand on Superman and Batman by playing off of their sympathies and their desire to not hurt him. There's a great moment when Superman is clearly trapped by Shazam and Batman tears in with a jet, diving out of it, attacking Shazam, smashing the jet into him, and falling to his apparent death. Superman's left with a choice, which the Dark Shazam exploits, and in doing so, Superman is forced to save Batman. This actually leads to a great scene when Batman wakes up, and he's frustrated that he's in a rejuvenation tank. He takes his frustrations out on kal and when he attempts to do so, Superman stops him by saying, he beat us, he beat both of us, so save the lecture. Then they both turn their attention towards what his next move might be, and how they can possibly try to stop him. In the end, it appears, the only possible way to accomplish their goal is to communicate with the Batman who laughs. The one who's kept under lock and key, hidden deep below the depths of the Hall of Justice, and the only way that they think it's possible to get any answers is to suggest the possibility that Superman has already been infected. What's next is, I'm sure, a very interesting conversation, and one in which Clark, Superman, will have to be as deceptive at least as Shazam, and more likely at least as deceptive as the Batman who laughs, if he hopes to get any information. There's this red hue that appears around the dark multiverse Shazam, as well as the Batman who laughs, and it gives this heightened sense of urgency and tension to every scene that features them. The art team does a really wonderful job of capturing the tone, whether it's in Gotham, surrounded by dark shadows and a gloom that pervades everything, and then later in Fortress of Solitude, where Batman and Superman are recovering, and the bright and the light and the ice and the white and the contrasts of these two worlds as they're fighting to stop someone who wants to destroy both the light and the dark versions. The best thing about a story like this is that it's a mystery with two very capable, talented crime fighters on its heels. Batman is the world's greatest detective. Superman has the ability to think at speeds beyond our perception. Together, they're working to figure out who else is infected, how they can stop them. And underlying it all is the knowledge for the reader that a key component is the one person they both come to trust the most, Commissioner Gordon. And ever since his infection, the way he's been using that trust against them, I'm intrigued to see how this will all play out when eventually that trust is broken and the truth is revealed. For now, the tension continues to build in Batman Superman number two. I felt that 
this was a really polished issue. I thought that it did a lot of great things that I wanted, and yet it came just short of that five out of five mark. I don't think it's easy to accomplish on a second issue every time, and I feel that despite not making a five out of five, the 4.5 out of five that I'm giving to this book is a recognition of all the things it does great. Got a different score? Can't wait to hear it. Listen to the end for all the ways you can let me know if your scores and mine are the same and where they differ. Now for my fifth and final choice, I've selected Books of Magic, issue number 12. This story, Great Expectations, was written by Cat Howard, featuring layouts by Tom Fowler, finishes by Brian Chirilla, Craig Taylor, and Tom Fowler, colors by Marissa Louise, letters by Todd Klein, and a cover by Kai Carter. In this story, we get the opportunity to see just what happens when Tim tries to follow the rules, and instead realizes that the reasons for doing so, to protect his family, are proven false when his own mother uses magic and then proceeds to search through his room for the books of magic. It's then revealed that she is not his mother, but merely an imposter, and when she threatens him, Tim unleashes his magical might, casts her from his house, and decides that he's going to do more. Now, meanwhile, Ellie is at school and looking for some assistance. Under the advisement of a friend, she seeks out Dr. Rose, only to find her knee-deep in a magical battle. Tim's frustration about not doing magic is brought to a crucial point when a classmate, Tyler, comes to his house and lets him know that the school and magic have created quite a disturbance. Tim angrily chases after not only the message from Tyler, but the direction where the trouble lies. And when he arrives, he steps in and eliminates the threat. It's quite brutal, and I'll leave the details for the reader. But in doing so, Tim makes a choice that he believes was necessary and that everyone else believes was only one of a number of choices that he could have chosen differently, and that his choice to act with such finality will lead to greater consequences down the road. I love this idea because so often one of the things that's impressed upon the reader about magic is the fact that it amplifies your own intentions. If you come to it desiring to do good, more often than not, the repercussions will be good. But when the desire is malignant, selfish, or is of an intention not true, right, or good, the consequences are always that much powerful in their reverberation. I think Books of Magic number 12 is doing a great job to set up what those consequences will be, and in doing so is providing a great direction for the story of Tim and those around him as he continues to navigate the responsibility of holding the Books of Magic and the responsibility of being a young magician. I thought this was a really wonderful work. I love the idea that Tim has been working so hard to control himself, and in this moment of anger and realization, when he lets go of that control, 
It's a very powerful experience for the reader and the story. What makes this work is such a great comic book story. It's this amazing art team. The layouts by Fowler, the finishes by Cheria Telefer and Fowler, and also these gorgeous colors by Marissa Louise. I really enjoyed the way this set up so much great potential for the dark and light choices that Tim is going to have to make, and I thought it was really well captured in the cover, featuring Tim about to make a magical attack, and in doing so, this visual representation of magic that's displayed on the cover and danger presents to the pair of hands which are only shown through a POV perspective and provide a little bit of an insight of what it might be like to face down Tim when he's wielding his magic. There's some great potential and direction for books of magic to take and I think book number 12, issue number 12, does a great job of setting up so many pieces. I'm looking forward to reading what happens next with young Tim and to see how he is able to navigate his responsibilities as a master of magic. I thought this did a really great job of setting up so many things I'm looking forward to and that's why I was happy to give Books of Magic a solid 4 out of 5. And that's going to be my final choice for this episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. And I hope that looking forward to the next issues will keep you coming back. Remember, DC Comics News is now on all the major podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. So please, if you haven't yet, head over and subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us. I think we're five stars, but you can put whatever score you think and leave us a comment to let us know if we can do it better. When it comes to sharing your scores or letting me know anything else you might think about this episode or any episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, you can find and follow us on social media, whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube. All you have to do is tag your comment, thought, opinion, question with the at symbol and DC Comics News. And be sure to stay tuned for the upcoming premiere of the episode-by-episode breakdown of Batman the Animated Series in a new podcast called I Am the Night, hosted by Mr. Steve J. Ray, my fellow podcaster weekly on DC Comics News podcast. And remember, when you subscribe to the DC Comics News podcast, you'll receive every new episode of not only the Spinner Rack, but the DC Comics News podcast weekly episode and the new series, I Am The Night, featuring a breakdown episode by episode of Batman the Animated Series by our own lovely Steve J. Ray. That's going to do it for us this time. Thanks so much for joining the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, episode number 28. I've been your host, Seth Singleton. I'll be back next week with more choices, and I hope you'll join me. And as always, in the interim, read more comics. Thanks again, folks. See you next time.